we're talking about how to discover God's plan and purpose for your life. The Bible, literally, the God of heaven has laid out very specifically how you find out his plan for your life. You know, on Tuesday mornings, we're talking to the men about how to develop sensitivity to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Do you know you have God inside of you in the person of the Holy Spirit? He knows everything. He knows exactly your next step every time. And he wants to help you, right? So we're learning in Tuesday morning, we've talked about, man, we gotta live open. We have to live open to him. That means I don't live my life with my own agenda, I want his agenda. Not my will, but his will, right? Uh, then now we're just starting to learn about, man, I've gotta learn how to yield to him. And we're, we're talking a lot about that. How to yield, many are not open to him. It's like, God, you know, I really, wanna, I really want you in my life according to this way. And, and all of us could go, oh, yeah, done that, been there, done that, no life in it, right? And then, you know, after this, where we're going is the third major thing that the Lord's talked to me about, to be led by the Spirit, to be sensitive to Him, you have to live with a clear conscience. I do not allow clutter in my life. Right? People want to give me a piece of paper. I always tell them, you know, you know like a, a guy will want to give me a business card. I'm like, you know, let me take a picture of it because my goal in life is to get all the paper out of my life. I don't want clutter. Right? People make fun of my garage because I don't like clutter. If you go in my office, you would, whether my, ho my home office or the office here, you would think I never do anything. When I was a national sales manager, you know, when people would ask me what I did for a living, I told them I ran a daycare because I had 63 salesmen nationwide. I lived in California, and all of them were ex-athletes, so they all thought the world owed them everything, right? They were ex-pro and major Division I athletes, all Americans in college that got injured and ended their pro career. Now they're working, and they, you know, they were just like kids. But running sales in the whole company, I mean, I could tell you, if you said, okay, hey, who, who are the Giants playing this week? I could tell you because we were in that sporting goods industry. I had to know. So I had systems in place. But if you walked in my office, you'd be like, does this guy do anything? Because I, I pull something out, I work on it, and I put it away. I don't like clutter, right? I don't try to remember things. One time, I transferred my old phone to my daughter years ago and it erased everything on my phone. For the next month, I'm like, I don't know what, I don't even think about what appointments I have tomorrow. Because I don't clutter my mind with that. When I read, I have, I, I, I work very hard to discipline myself to read very slow. So that I could, so that God can speak to me. But I don't, I don't allow clutter in my life because you, you have to have a clear conscience. So tonight, as we talk about discovering God's plan for your life, remember what we said at the beginning of this. Now, this is, this is message three. I would encourage you to go back, because we're, we're going we're, we're gonna to say a couple things we've said before. Um, you know, I had, I had 20 pages of notes. I've whittled it down after hours of spending time with the Lord to 17 pages. It's ridiculous. <laughs> So, but this is all so necessary because God wants you to discover his plan for your life. He wants you to discover what decision you should make every moment of every day. Because see, God doesn't just lay out the whole plan. You know, you literally, we are to walk worthy of the Lord. Colossians says that unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. What does that mean? Walk worthy. How do we walk by faith? That word walk means a forward motion one step at a time. So I meditate in the word of God because remember, week one, we have no ability to even see the plan of God. We, we can't see it. The Bible says, eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard. It's not entered into the heart or the mind of man. The wonderful things that God's prepared for those that love him. We went and looked at Jeremiah, and Jeremiah 
back in the Old Testament says, it's not within man that walks to direct his own steps. We can't see the plan. We can't direct our own steps. The Holy Spirit has to reveal the plan. See, in, in, that, in that scripture about, you know, all the scriptures that talk about, you know, you never know, God's ways are higher than our ways, and, and people will go, well, you just never know what God's going to do. No, no, keep reading. There, usually most, most teachings are one verse away from being scriptural, right? The Holy Spirit reveals the plan. The Holy Spirit will lead us in the plan. So God has a plan for your life. And we said this, and I'm hoping we can get into this tonight. We have to live delighting ourselves in the Lord so that he can give us the desires, the longings, the cravings of our heart, which are expressions of his will for our life. Satan will work overtime trying to keep your eyes on natural things instead of on the word and on Jesus, right? Which is the same thing. He'll keep try to keep your eyes on natural things so that you're always up to here with the needs of your life. And guys, there's not one scripture in the Bible that tells us that we're supposed to ask God to meet our needs. We're going to talk about that tonight. We are to live our life because God has a plan, he has a purpose, and a destiny for you. And it is for you to walk like Jesus on this earth, to leave an eternal footprint in humanity that will last and be talked about for all eternity. You, all of us. And God has called us for such a time as this. And if you, if you haven't noticed, the world's a little crazy, right? Is it going to get crazier? Well, you know, Satan knows he doesn't have much time. He's going to try. But, you know, guess what? The wor my world's not going to get crazier. Because I'm going to walk in the peace. I'm going to walk in the safety, the health, right? The provision of God, the joy of the Lord. I'm not going to be moved by outward stuff. In other words, I'm going to live strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I'm going to live on the earth, as Isaiah 54 says, as a righteous child of God, immovable, steadfast and immovable in him. So I've got to, see, Satan, if he, if he gets you always concerned about your needs, you'll never discover your purpose. And it creates inner turmoil in a Christian, right? So we want to stir that up tonight. So go to Psalm 37. Psalm 37, verse 4, foundational scripture here in this series, delight yourself also in the Lord. In other words, make the Lord the source of your joy, your pleasure, and your satisfaction. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall, not maybe, he shall give you the desires of your heart. Desires. Notice, that's plural, right? Remember, we said, in your heart, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength, right? Then in another scripture in Psalms, it says, what does it say? A man has the joy of the Lord or has joy by the answer of his mouth. And then if you go to another scripture that we, want, we talked about last week, what does it say? We draw out of the wells of salvation with joy. So in other words, on the inside of you is God's plan for your life, but you got to draw it out. And how you do that is you draw it out in joy. You draw, how, how are you in joy? Because he is the source of your joy, your pleasure, and your satisfaction. Do you see how that works together? So, so this is so important. And notice it said the desires of your heart. He didn't say stuff. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you stuff. No, 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 no. He already gave you the stuff. Your needs are already met. The covenant that God has, he's given you everything the moment you got saved. You have right now. In, now, it's, it's, in the, it's in the unseen realm, but you can bring it all in this realm through faith. Every dollar that you need to do everything God's called you to do. 
Every need that you have, it's already been given to you. He gave you everything that pertains to life and godliness. He blessed you with every spiritual blessing. Remember, spiritual blessings are the root of natural blessings. Everything seen, is it comes from things that are not seen. The Bible's very clear on that, right? So he's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. He's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And then faith comes by hearing. So now when I hear what God's given me, now I could reach in with faith and bring it into this realm where I need it, right? He'll give you the desires of your heart. And here's the word desires, this word also, it, it has within it it, it, it means a longing, a craving, a yearning of your heart. Do you know in your spirit, see, the desires of your heart are expressions of God's will for your life. And, and it, it literally, a desire from God, which is an expression of his will for your life, it's a craving inside of you. It's, it's a yearning, it's a wanting. Satan has worked overtime on the church through entertainment, right? Through, I mean, just society. Now, you know, you cannot just watch one football game. You can watch all of them, right? You, I mean, we have everything instantly, and it's dulled us spiritually. We gotta be real careful with this. Because all of a sudden, even though I might have sickness or disease in my body, you know, I'm taking a pill, I don't really like it, but I could live with it. But God, see, God wants you to live out of a craving. Satan's going to try to dumb it down. You know, if, see, if you don't feed on, on the word of God spiritually, you won't hunger spiritually. And you'll sit. You'll sit in a meeting. Like right now, the anointing of God is moving. I could, I could sense it huge, right? I walk in with a short sleeve shirt. I'm telling you, I walked out of my house with a coat. I, I'm, I just, when that anointing hits me, it's like a blast furnace on the inside of me. I'm like, I can't wear a coat. But then you could sit right here in this place and feel nothing, right? But boy, if you'll... Go, God help me, he will help you. And if you'll reprioritize some things and put him first, because you are made to crave things, to desire very strongly, to, to walk out God's plan for your life. He wants you satisfied. And the only way to be happy and satisfied is to grow spiritually, to know him, and to walk out his plan for your life. All desires which are expressions of his plan, purpose, and will for your life, they come from God as a result of delighting in him. Everything is intimacy with God. And realize this, God, he wants to fulfill every desire of your heart. Every one of them. And if you're not delighting in him, guess what? You won't even know, you, you, you won't have any. You'll have some natural, well, I'd kind of like to do this, right? Or you can could, you could get in, it's a counterfeit desire, and you could really be motivated to go do a wrong thing. But there's nothing like when God motivates you. Because it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't drive you like Satan does. It's, not, it's like, you better do this or else. No, it just, it's a flow, and it propels you beyond your own ability. I don't know, there's not, <laughs> sometimes when you're preaching, I, I sit there and I hear sounds in another language and I'm trying to go, okay, what is the English word for this? I, I've talked to missionaries or people that live on the mission field, like sometimes, you know, when missionaries come back, they're like, okay, how do I, what, how do I say this in English? Because I know how to say it in Greek or one of these other languages, right? Romans chapter 8 if you look at the book of Romans, we're not going to go there tonight, but Romans chapter 8 is the victory chapter. It, it, it tells you that it's God's will 
that the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made you free from the law of sin and death, that he has given you everything and his will for your life is that you walk in total victory in every area of your life. That's Romans chapter 8. It's the great victory chapter. Then Paul, right, being a byproduct of the Holy Spirit who goes on side journeys, the Holy Spirit takes a side journey in Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11, talks about Israel, talks about a bunch of stuff, some really good stuff, chapter 10 about faith and all this stuff, and then jumps in at Romans chapter 12, and it all changes. It's almost like Romans chapter 12, verse 1, is an extension of, of Romans chapter 8. Now he's going to jump in and go, now that you know that I want you to walk in victory, God says, in every area of your life, Romans chapter 1 or chapter 12, verse 1, now I'm going to tell you how to do it, right? And those, especially those first six verses, it starts to tell you how to do it. So when we look at Romans 12, 1, and we kind of really got into it last week, I just want to touch on it because I want to get to Romans 12, 6 again. But it says in Romans 12, 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourself a living and holy, or present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice unto God, which is or acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. The first step, Paul is saying, listen, this is how you walk in victory. You are going to have to yield your bodies. This, where it says here in Romans 1, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present. That word present in the Greek means that you yield or present your body in the spirit of sacrifice. In other words, I am to live my life literally in control of my body. Right? And, and this, is, this is so important. Why is that? Because if you don't, and you get body ruled, and your flesh nature sides with your unrenewed mind, it'll take you captive and walk you into death every time. Right? So Paul is saying to walk in victory. We already know it's God's will that you walk in victory. Think about all the Christian brothers and sisters that we have that don't know it's God's will to walk in victory. Well, you know, God's sovereign, and maybe he put this on me to teach me. Well, okay, show me that in the Bible. That's nowhere. No, 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 no. His word is what he uses to correct us, right? So we got to get this right. He wants me to walk in victory. He wants me to fulfill his plan for my life. He made it for me. And it's so that I could walk out all the desires that he's placed within me. For all eternity, you're going to be walking this way in eternity. It just doesn't stop at the end of your life because your life doesn't stop. It doesn't even pause, right? You go home to be with the Lord, you just step out of your body and you keep walking, right? That's, that's, that'll, death for us is just separation. We separate from this the body, right? And man, that'll be the most exhilarating feeling you've ever felt in your life, to be free from your flesh nature. So here we go. Sa he says, present your body a living, holy sacrifice, we yield our bodies, what does this mean? To yield, we yield our bodies as being dead to sin and alive to God. That's what it means. Knowing, how do we do that? We must know who we are in Christ. So we tell our body, we're not saying that, we're not doing that, we're not going here, right? Right? I'm not stressed, I'm not worried about circumstances, I'm not going to worry, I'm not going to be afraid, I refuse, I refuse to believe that what the word of God says I can't have, why? Because the Holy Spirit is on the inside of me always telling me the things that God has freely given to me as his child, right? So now I know who I am in Christ, so now I could yield my body as being dead to sin, but alive to God. Why? So now I could live a sanctified life. The word sanctified means, part of it means holy, but it literally means set apart for the master's use. Most people will never see God's plan for their life because they're just, their behavior is going this way because they're not living out of their spirit. The word's not first in their life. They're living for themselves, even though 
They may be born again, and at one point they made Jesus the Lord of their life. They're born again, so they're new on the inside. Their behavior looks like somebody who doesn't even know God, right? And they have inner turmoil. So we don't want that. So what, how do we do this? Romans 12.2 explains to us how we do Romans 12.1. So Romans 12, 2 says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing or the renovation of your mind. In other words, you, gotta ch you could change your whole life by changing the way you think. Because the Bible says all things are possible to him who believes, and your beliefs come from what you think. Right? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Right, The only thing that will change your thinking, when the word of God is implanted in your heart, it will literally renovate your thinking. It will literally, see, every addiction that you may have or have ever had, every behavior that's messing with your life, every detrimental thought process that the enemy has tried to plant ever since you were just a little kid, he'll use parents, grandparents, family members, Everything, society, everything to try to get you in a thought pattern so that you never know who you are, never know what you've been given, never know how to walk it out, right? But all of that stuff can be ripped out with one thing, and that is the Word of God. The Word of God brings, when you plant the Word in your spirit, it brings wholeness to your soul. It can change your whole thought process, which changes your beliefs, which changes your actions, your mouth and your actions, which changes the results you get. Satan knows this. He doesn't want you to know that, right? So be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing or the renovation of your mind. Why? That you may prove. This phrase prove means that you may determine by experience. In other words, that you may walk out the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Three adjectives that are explaining and, and describing one will of God. Why three adjectives? Good, acceptable, and perfect. Well, you know, I'm in the good, and then I'll, you know, eventually I'll grow to the acceptable. I'll choose the acceptable. No, no, it's, it's one will for your life. But it's good, acceptable, and perfect. It's showing you a progression, right? Why a progression? Because it takes, it's a progression to renew your mind. The more you renew your mind, you're walking out God's will for your life. That's why the Holy Spirit used this, right? It's describing a progression. You enter the will of God. Boy, this is worth you coming. You enter the will of God progressively, because the renewing of your mind is a process. And for us as Christians, this is the cool thing. You learn in God, you'll be totally content where you are on the way to where you're going. Man, I have a burning desire, a burning desire to reach more people. Burning. It burns in my heart. I want to reach all of my fruit in my season. When I, when I hear a pastor, if I ever hear a pastor, if I'm talking to a pastor and they're like, oh, you know, I, I, I'm not really into numbers. I want to, my first reaction is to slap them and wake them up. Because it's like, what are you talking about? I mean, don't you get bothered when you sit in a restaurant and you know that if the rapture were to happen right there, very few people would leave. Right, that, that most of these people that are walking around that I'm right in the middle of in Omaha, Nebraska, if they were to die today, they would be lost forever. I, I just have a problem with that. Do I want to have this massive church so people look at me? I could care less about that. Right? No, no, we just want to reach people. Because why? Because God reached us. This thing's too good to keep to yourself. Do you realize that the God of heaven has laid out a plan for you. You are not an accident, right? I don't know if there's anybody here that's a, a survivor of, a, of abortion, right? I'm a, I mean, my mom tried to abort me twice. The third time the doctor said, get away. 
I, 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 I've never seen this, and something wants that, that kid alive. Should have been born in a jail, turned over to the state of New York, right, when I was, but no, God moved, God moved. I mean, my, then, then literally, so here I am, I never knew my biological father, you know, I mean, I didn't start out really good, but it doesn't matter. God, see, I'm not an accident. Do you know I'm the product of a date rape, but I'm not an accident. God brought me into the world for such a time as this. And the enemy will say, oh, you're nothing, you're this, you're that. That's a lie. Say this with me. I am a child of God. I am God's child. My father is God. That's an absolute true statement. So don't let anybody define who you are. He's the only one that has the, has the right to define who you are. And the whole Bible, the Bible says as you peer into the word of God, you are literally changed into the same image. The same as, image as what? As Jesus. That's who you are. You're made to walk this stuff out. So, reading the word of God is not enough. You gotta renew your mind to it. You've gotta put the word of God first place. This thing with God has to be number one at the center. Right? Now remember this at the end of this service, and man, I hope there's, if, if, if need be, do not leave here tonight without coming down here. If you're a child of God and you haven't been living the way you know there's inner turmoil, you just need to make some adjustments. Big or small, doesn't matter. You don't have to confess anything to anybody. What you need to do, though, is reaffirm your faith. Come down here and come down here for prayer. Pastor Edwin, his ministry team will be here and say, listen, I'm just here today to reaffirm my faith. And then Pastor Edwin or whoever's down here will pray with you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I declare I'm, I've, I'm turning from the way I've been living. I'm turning Focusing on you, I will put the word of God first place. I will walk led by the spirit of God. And I will walk out your plan for my life. It's very simple. You just There's something about making a decision to declare, God, you are my everything. I'm, no, I'm, not, I'm done with living for myself. Right? There's an empowerment that happens. And this is why being planted in a church is so important. Because listen... We get everything together. And when you make a commitment like that, and then you start getting and start moving in this direction, when you're around people of faith, people who love you, people not with their own agenda, it'll help you come back. You come to church. See, we, we can't afford to just play church here. I never want to preach a sermon from me because that won't help any of us. We want his words, right? That's why we preach the word around here. So you could, so light can come and you can see some things. You gotta renew your mind to the word of God. You gotta get the word of God down inside you. Why? So that you can reckon or count yourself to be, so that you will see the fact and count yourself to be who God says you are, right? Because when that happens, the world's done in your life. You have to get God's word down on the inside of you, right? Now, I want to encourage you. You should come to church with a notepad, a pen, and your Bible. If you Or come to church, like some people, they are all about getting stuff if you're not if you if you'd rather just come and i'm like okay i'm just coming and i'm going to receive some things then you need to go back with your pad of paper and a pen and get online and listen to the message again because it's got to go from your head to your heart otherwise it won't help you it's just information 2024 
is going to be, it, it is to be the greatest year in our life. Do you know, we are coming up, we have, we have four weeks left in this year, and then in, in, the, in the fifth Sunday, I love it, it's, it's going to be January 7th, right, 2024. January 7th, 07, is when this church was birthed. So we are going to turn 17 years old, right? But I can tell you, this year has been the greatest year in our church so far. But guess what? We can sit here in December of 23 and say, we haven't seen anything yet. 24 is going to be over the top, right? Now, I can tell you this, 24 in the world it might be really crazy beyond anything you've ever seen before. I hope not. But I'm here to tell you it doesn't matter. The Bible says that no man will stand in front of you to block you from what God has for you. Right? It's, we gotta, and I think our church is good at this, we're growing in this, but man, you, got, you can't play church. You surely can't play religion, right? And you can't, you can't play the game, I'm my own Lord. I direct my own life. Yikes. Been there, done that, no life in it. And God is, he, I'm telling you, he's drooling, chomping at the bit to help you, right? Paul is talking in this verse about a progression of walking in the will of God as you renew your mind to the truth of God's word. So remember the game. We mentioned this. Are you going to be conformed into the world's image? Are you going to allow the pressure from the outside to shape your life? Or are you going to allow the word of God, the revelation knowledge, the spirit of God, transform your life from the inside? That's the game. Spiritual growth, I said this last week. This is something the Lord said to me, man, years ago, and it's helped me. Spiritual growth happens when you align your soulish realm, your mind, your will, and your emotions with what your spirit already knows in, its heart, in your heart about God and God's word. When, if you can align your soul with what your spirit already knows about God, you will grow spiritually every time. So that's the game. Don't let your past, don't let the present storm in your life, don't let the fact that maybe right now you don't see a good future, don't let that, that's all insignificant. You have a future. And if you'll put God first, you will see it. You'll discover his plan and purpose for your life. And it's glorious. Wow. I need to be way, way beyond where I am right now. But I think this is, ex I mean, you know, you sit here and go, I'm trying to get here, and the Holy Spirit's going, just mellow out. Let's just, let's just, this is a good ride, though, isn't it? So then, Romans chapter 12, verse 3. For I say through the grace given unto me and to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but think soberly. This word soberly means think soberly. It, don't, don't be moved by your emotions is what this Greek word means. Think clearly. Don't allow your emotions to cloud what you're seeing. Okay? Think soberly according as God has dealt. This word dealt means to distribute something different. God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. This word measure means a limited portion. Okay? God has dealt. He dealt Denise a limited portion that fits exactly the way she's to walk. He's dealt me a limited portion. Now I could grow it, and so can you. How do we grow our faith? By meditating in the word, by putting him first. But he's, we have a proportion of faith that's been given to us to walk out God's plan for our life. That's what this is talking about right here. For as we have many members in the body, and all members are not the same office, could you imagine if all of us did the same thing? That would not work, right? We need ushers. We need people to work in the sound booth. We need 
children's workers, but could you imagine how would our church function if we were all children's workers? I mean, nobody's in here. We're all in those other rooms. You know what, right? That, that, that's ridiculous to even think that way. Could you imagine if, if we were all worship leaders? Right? First of all, go out to lunch with a bunch of worship leaders. No offense to Pastor Mark, but it's like herding cats. Everybody, worship leaders are like, you know, because they're really creative and artsy and, you know, they're like, oh, I want to go to this cool restaurant. Oh, I want to go over here. But it's just as bad with pastors because pastors don't care. They're there for the fellowship. So you sit there for four hours. Where do you want to go? I don't care. Where do you want to go? Oh, I don't care. Wherever you want to go. We do this a lot, don't we? Right? Dave, Pastor Dave, you want to go to lunch? Yeah, let's go to lunch. Where do you want to go? Oh, I don't care. Right? Or you play the game with your wife. <laughs> Here's the game. Honey, where would you like to go? Oh, I don't care. Okay, well, let's go over here. Well, you know, I was kind of thinking. And then we decide and then we go, right? So, yeah. Because we as men, we all know we're the head of our house. Sometimes we're not so clear that the wife's the neck. And, you know, the head only does what the neck wants it to do, right? So, ooh, will that preach? I don't know. We better get back to this. It says here, so we being many are one body in Christ and we're all members of one another. Every one of us, God has called us to do life together, but God's plan for our life is all different facets. It's different, so you're going to need... See, you couldn't have the faith that I have to be the lead pastor of this church. Why? Because it's not the call on your life. But I couldn't have the call, the, the gifts or the grace or the faith to do what you do because it's just not there. That's what Paul is saying here. And then we get to verse 6. Having then gifts differing. And in this verse, you should write in the biggest letters you can or underline, gifts differing according to the grace given. That's the second statement, right? To us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. So in other words, we have gifts differing, grace, grace given, faith proportioned, right? And we said this, and I'm going to say it again because we got to get this. You know, I was, telling, I was telling Pastor Ryan before the service, uh, you know, some people think I review, but I never review. We just have to say some things again to get it. And gosh, I don't, I don't have any problem with that. I will preach on one verse for the next 10 years if the Lord wanted me to, because I couldn't even imagine preaching something that I wanted to preach. You'd be sitting there falling asleep going, this is ridiculous, right? Four things that will help you determine your purpose, your desires, the desires of your heart, their expression of God's will for your life. You are to pursue to crave, to yearn, to walk out the desires of your heart. Number two, gifts. You stir up the gifts that are already in you. There's gifts in you. You, number three, flow in your grace. God has given you a measure of grace that will empower, it's his ability, it's his favor to empower the gifts inside of you so that you can walk out the desires of your heart. And also, what do you do? You exercise your faith. Satan does not want me to finish my course. He doesn't want you to finish your course. Right? So you're going to have to exercise faith to stand and go, no. You're going to have to live your life submitted to the Lord so that you're in a position to resist the devil who is defeated and watch him laugh as he's fleeing, fleeing as in terror, as the Bible says. Right? That's, you're going to have to exercise your faith. 
You're, the grace of God will have to empower those gifts so that you can walk out those desires. That's how, that's how you live. You discover, you fulfill the plan of God for your life, right? By pursuing your desires, by stirring your gifts, by flowing in your grace that God's given you and exercising your faith that he's given you. That's how you walk out. There's no, th th this, is, this is how you do it. It's not subject to debate. You can, you can either say yes or no. In other words, you and I as Christians, we don't decide. We discover our God is good. Amen. And the plan that he has made for you, he made you for the plan. It will turn you on more than anything. It'll freak your flesh out because it's way beyond your ability. But he didn't call you to walk in your ability alone. He called you according to his ability. So I walk in the gifts and the grace and the faith, the desires that he's given me, empowered by him. That's how we live. So gifts differing. Here's something about gifts. Go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. You guys doing good? Man, I'm sensing a lot of hunger in this place tonight. I hope you're being encouraged. I remember when God came to me and he said, Tony, he said, I am not moved by where you are. My mercy is so much greater than your disobedience. Don't, don't be moved by where you are tonight. His mercy is so much greater than where you are tonight. He loves you. Look at James 1.17. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, in whom is no variableness. This word variableness is the Greek word pelage. There's no variableness in God. It means to change alternately from one to another. This word means that God if he's done it for one person, he will do it for every person. God is no respecter of persons. Of, of persons, What he's done for one, he will do for all. And he is saying, every good and perfect gift comes from me. Every gift that he's placed in you is good and it's perfect. And Satan doesn't want you to see it. He wants you to look. Have you ever noticed how easy it is to look at your flaws, right? Man, when I was growing up, when I played baseball, I remember Little League Baseball, right? My dad, my stepdad, he'd come to the games drunk, but man, he wanted me to be a baseball player. Now, I was left-handed, I was a big kid, and I could hit the ball a mile. I probably was built perfect for baseball. But, but I could tell you this, if I, if I went four for five, you know, that's four hits not, out of five, all he would talk to me, he would just, about the one pitch I let go, right? Just beat me up. Why did he do that? Why? Because Satan was throwing thoughts in him to do that to me so that I would grow up being hard on myself. Was my stepdad my enemy? Nope. The enemy's the enemy. Everything anybody's ever done to you, they're not your enemy. It's who's behind them. And I'm telling you, you can walk free from all of it. It's all designed to get you to not realize your gifts. Right? I mean, I went on to play basketball, and I love the game of basketball. But bottom line, I'm six foot three. And, you know, I had about a 35, 36-inch vertical jump when I was in high school, which was okay. All my friends said, man, you dunk like a white guy. I'm like, thank you so much. <laughs> you genetic freak, okay? I'm working out twice as hard as all of you guys, right? And then it culminated, but I was, I was young, so I thought, you know, I could, I'm a good basketball player. I, I, for a while, I thought I was going to be in the NBA, Right? <laughs> Julia Serving was my idol, you know, and I'm just thinking, man, I could do this. 
And by the time I got in high school, I realized, you know, if I did play Division One, if I ever got a scholarship, I would never see the light of day on that court. Division Two, I could, you know, go to a small school and probably do play, you know, and everything. And then it culminated when I lived in California. I had a friend. We would go to South Central L.A. into the inner city and play basketball. I missed that because I would do that, you know, growing up in Illinois. I was born in Chicago, lived in some different places. So I loved going in to inner city and playing basketball. I missed that so much. And then we would go to the L.A. Pro Leagues because his friend played for the Golden State Warriors that he grew up with. And uh, so his name was Lorenzo Romar. And uh, I remember we'd go see him in the L.A. Pro Leagues. And, man, they played against a team. And they played against uh, Michael Cooper, who played for the Lakers. He was the defensive player of the year. And Lorenzo scored like 30-some points on him. And I'm like, wow, dude, what, what, why, do, why do you average three or four points a game? And he goes, no, no, it's the NBA. We have our roles. Everybody can score. And afterwards, we went to a gym, and we played two-on-two, two, right? Me and Lorenzo against Michael Cooper and Mark Woods, my friend. And Michael Cooper was guarding me. And uh, that was the day I learned, on a scale of 1 to 10, I was about a negative 10. I would never play in the NBA, right? But I didn't move in my gifts. Why, why did I not play baseball anymore? Because I'm not about to play baseball because my stepdad, who beat me up all the time, wanted me to play baseball. Why am I, I'm taking all this time to tell this story. Because Satan will use everything to try to stop you from operating in your gifts, discovering them and operating in them. And God, he can't stop it because God is so great, he will, he will get you. He'll show them to you. He'll show you your path. He will lead you. He'll do everything. He'll empower you. He'll empower those gifts in you. There's just a grace to do what God's called you to do. Look at another scripture, 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Look at verse 6. We're going to look at verse 6 and 7. Look at Paul talking to a young pastor, Timothy. He says this, Wherefore I put you in remembrance, you could say Timothy, that you stir up the gift of God. Who's, who's, who's going to stir the gift in you? You are. Nobody else can stir the gift. You can decide to stir it. And if you decide you want to stir it, do you have to know how to do that? No, you got the one in you who, will, who knows how to do that. The Holy Spirit will just help you, right? Stir up the gift of God, which is in you by the putting on of my hands. Why should you stir it up? For God has not given us the spirit of fear. This is the Greek word delia. The spirit of Delia. It means a fear that will turn you into a coward. This Greek word describes something that has not happened yet. It's the what ifs of life. What if? Right? The spirit of fear will come to you when you're facing something and show you a movie of what could happen that hasn't happened yet. Kids are going to grow up and they're going to be a nightmare. You got diagnosed with this, you're going to die a slow death, your family's going to be a mess, and, and none of it's happened yet, but the spirit of fear will try to take something, the what-ifs of life, and turn you into a coward. And Paul is telling Timothy, listen, you stir up the gifts, Timothy, because God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, right? But what has God given you? See, the spirit of fear tries to get you to ask yourself the question, what if? What if I don't get this job? What if the money doesn't come in? What if the tumor grows? What if the cancer progresses? What if my blood work gets worse? 
Does that make sense? That's the spirit of fear. That's what he's working in. So if, if anything is pushing you to say what if, you can know that's a demonic spirit of fear and you don't have it. It's not internal. It might feel internal, but it's not. It's external. God has given you the spirit of power. That's the Greek word dunamis. That's a Holy Spirit, miraculous power that's been released word. Power, love, that's agape love. That's the very love of God. And of a sound mind. In the Greek language, it would read, and soundness of mind. The spirit of fear will get you to not have soundness of mind. You will start thinking ways that you shouldn't. Right? The spirit of fear is all about your thought life. See, you, what I want you to see here tonight is you stir up the gift because God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. The spirit of fear, when he comes into your life, you got to take, now you have authority over it. You get it out. You tell it to leave. It has to leave. Right? The spirit of fear causes two things to happen in your life. Two reactions. Number one, the spirit of fear will cause you to never, ever figure out or discover your dominant gift. And you'll walk around your whole life going, I know there's something for me to do. I just, I just don't know what God's will is for my life. And it'll frustrate you because it's fear. Okay? Number two, if you know the gift, it will cause you to never walk in it. Because you'll, you, you'll be too afraid. Well, what if it doesn't work out? What if I step out? I have this desire to have this business, but what if I step out and it just falls apart? I have a desire to do this, and it just, see, this is what happens. And sometimes it doesn't work out. And so what do people do? Go, oh, well, I guess that's not God's will for my life. Well, now wait a minute. Just because it didn't work out here, you better look down on the inside of you. Because maybe you missed something. Maybe you were to take some take a stand, but if you know God's will for your life, it doesn't matter if they say no 10, 100, 1,000 times. I'm coming back. No, no, you hide and watch. This will be. Right? See, that's, this is how you're strong in the Lord. So, desire is what provokes you to do something with the gift. So here is what Satan will use everything to dumb down. He tries to get a Christian to not even know what it's like to experience a desire of the Lord coming up. Because the desire from God is what provokes you to operate in the gift. Right? I mean, I remember when God called me to start a college and career ministry. I... It's been so long now, I think it might have been two months that nobody came. So what did I do? Doesn't matter to me. Right? My friend, who was a worship leader, made, made, made a cassette tape of a set of five worship sets. And so, 7 o'clock Friday night, I'm back in the sound booth. I turned on this, the thing, walked up front, just like this. Here's the front of the church, and I'm like this. Worshiping God, as soon as it was over, I got up, opened my Bible, and I preached the message that I was supposed to preach to no one. Now, as awkward as you think that is, it's not as awkward as what happens after that when one person comes. So now, you're literally preaching, and then two people, right? And you're like, well, maybe I'll sit down, or, but, but what... It, Nobody's coming. What does that have to do with, if God called you to do it, don't worry about that. Don't be discouraged. Don't, do you know when I preach to no one? One time I just got frustrated. I'm like, God, I'm not preaching to anybody. He goes, I'm preaching to you. And I'm like, oh, there's one, it's me. Do you know when I came tonight, on the way here, I'm like, Lord, I have ears to hear. I'm preaching, but I'm hearing. And I'm not just going to be a hearer, I'm going to be a doer, so that I know the truth of the word and walk in the freedom of it. Desire provokes you to do something with the gift.
See, the power of God makes your gift effective. The love of God makes your gift palatable to people. It makes the gift acceptable because it's wrapped in the love of God, right? A sound mind or soundness of mind makes the gift useful. There are some very wonderful gifts in the body of Christ, but because the person is not walking in soundness of mind, Star Trek Christians, boldly going where nobody has ever gone before, including God, because his word doesn't say that, right? You, you, have you ever been in, in, around some, some people and you're just like, wow, man. You know, I mean, you know they're a Christian. You know they love God, but it's just weird. What do they need? They're not weird. They're just, they just got to grow up. Because as you grow up and you learn how to live out of your spirit, soundness of mind, right? Now, don't call me normal. None of us are normal. We are peculiar. The Bible says we are a peculiar people. Now, we laugh because we think that word means weird, but that word doesn't mean weird. It means purchased and surrounded. I'm a purchased person. My body, my spirit, my soul does not belong to me. It belongs to God, so I'll glorify him in it. And by the way, I'm also surrounded. So he goes before me, he's beside me, he's behind me. He's above me, he's beneath me. I'm in him, he's in me. I'm completely surrounded in every dimension. Tonight, I'm preaching at 9515 Blondo Street while I'm positionally seated in Christ at the right hand of God. Isn't that, that's who you are too. Oh, Satan doesn't want you to know that. So Romans 12, 6 again, having just a few more minutes, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. So let's talk about this grace given part. We just talked about the gifts differing. Grace given. The grace of God that he gives to one will differ from the grace that he gives to another one. There's a whole bunch of people up here that are gifted and graced. There's a grace for them to lead worship with a microphone. I am, I am gifted to be a worshiper without a microphone. <laughs> one night, the sound guy forgot to turn me off. And I literally said out loud, because I have an ear, and I'm just like, what is that? And I heard that, and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's me. <laughs> right? I'm not gifted to have a microphone up there. I'm gifted to do this. Right? Pastor, you have such a soothing voice. I mean, think about that. If you have trouble sleeping, for, what, is, what is the supplement that you could take? To sleep? Yeah, look at all you guys, melatonin, right? That was just a test to see how many people real. no, I'm just teasing, I'm just teasing. You don't need melatonin, you just need Pastor Tony. Our church app, you're good, you're just good. My wife is like, hey, if I can't fall asleep, you know, she listens to teaching all the time, and if she really can't fall asleep, she just could put me on. She did tell me one time, though, she woke up and said, wow, that's really good, and then she realized it was her husband. We have fun. So the grace that God give, gives one differs, right? It differs from another. I have grace to empower my gifts. You have grace to empower your gifts. So let's talk a little bit about this faith proportion thing. Your faith will not work where you have no grace. Okay? Well, you don't hear that in faith teaching, but you should, because it's absolutely true. Your faith won't work where there's no grace. I cannot believe God to be a worship leader. It's just not in me. It's not a gift, right? I can't believe God to be a missionary, right? I mean, people want me to go a, a, a lot of different places in the world and teach, and I get so excited about that, but I just, you know, and my wife likes to go to other countries. I... You know, when I came back from Israel, man, as soon as we landed in New York or New Jersey, I think we're, wherever we landed, 
what am I having? I'm show, I just want to eat a bacon cheeseburger, okay? <laughs> because you can't have dairy or pork with, you know, it's unclean. You know, when we were in Israel, we like coffee with our cream. Well, you have to be careful because if they have eggs, then you, they'll have cream. But if they have any kind of meat, no, you're not having cream. So, you know, we would like contraband. We're like sneaking creamers, you know, and all that stuff. No, no, I, I, I'm a pastor. I just want to, I want to live with the people, right? Your faith will not work where you have no grace. Now, everyone has grace in salvation, Right? Everyone has a grace to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues. And we have to say with evidence of speaking in tongues just because so many people think, well, I can receive the baptism without that, but the word just doesn't say that. Right? But tongues is not the baptism. Just like the tongue of your shoe is not your shoe. It's part of it. Okay? That's deep. Pastor, that's really deep. Faith from one to another will vary according to the grace that's been given to them. Okay? God has proportioned some faith to me so that I could walk out and the grace of God will empower the gifts. So there's two aspects of walking by faith that we don't talk about a lot, but we have to. Number one, two aspects. God has already met all of my needs. You have to, under, to walk by faith, you're going to have to understand this. And God, number two, will grant my desires. He wants to fulfill every one of them. Every desire of my heart, he wants to fulfill them. You have to know that in order to walk in them. But you also have to know that God has already met my needs, so I never have to go ask God for my needs. I just thank him for them. Father, I thank you that all my needs are met. While you got bills stacked up like this and your bank accounts like this. But if you learn that, you'll, you'll learn that God's your provider. And you'll come out. Two aspects of walking by faith. He's already met my needs, and he desires to fulfill every desire of my heart. So what is the definition of a need? Okay? Definition of a need. An urgent requirement of something essential. If you're hungry, a need could be food in your refrigerator. If you drive a car and you need gas, that's, kind of a, that's a need. That's not a desire. We don't have to stir up desires. Oh, man, I just desire to get gas in my car. No, that's a need. I don't have to ask God to do that. I just have to thank him. Father, I thank you. I just, I just claim this in Jesus' name, and I thank you for it, because I know you've already given it to me. Okay? A need is a, necess a necessity that's created by some emergency or some crisis. Have you ever had a crisis? Right, and it's created, that, that's a need. But not one time did Jesus ever say, ask the Father to meet your needs. Never, not, it's not in there. See, we are able to believe that God already met all of our needs almost 2,000 years ago in the redemptive work of Jesus. All of your needs were met. That was worth coming tonight. Because if, if we went around and talked to people, I need money. I need my body to work properly. I need this joint. I need more cartilage in my joint. I need my cells to be healthy. I need finances, right? I need to be free from alcohol. I need to be free from drugs. I need to be free from a pornographic addiction. I need to be free from this self-destructive thing in my personality that I always want to destruct, you know, whatever it is. Listen, he's already met it. It's already yours. And you have God on the inside of you that will help you lay hold of it. See, most Christians apply their whole life 
to the need level. They approach God only on the need level. Wow. Hmm. Well, God wants you to walk out the desires of your heart. That's what he has for you. So we're going to talk more about the need-desire thing next week, okay? We're, we really need to get into this. It'll really help you. Because if you get to the point where revelation comes and you realize every need of my life, he already took care of. I don't have to beg him to heal me. He's already provided it. I don't have to beg him to get me out of this financial mess. I just have to believe what he says and yield to him. Let him lead me out and not let my flesh get in the way. Amen?